This is the remix. Oh, one to Donaldson. Swung on, hit in the air to right toward the line. That ball is going to be gone. It's a grand slam, a walk-off grand slam to win the game. Josh Donaldson powered one down the right field line into the seats. It's a grand slam. That's Josh by gosh. And doing it with a notch, a grand slam, and the Yankees get a win. Oh, did they need that win? You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, hold on. Before we get to Deshaun Watson, how do you feel about that call of the home run, Adam? Please keep in mind that John Sterling is an octogenarian, <laughs> and we're just kind of enjoying Ma and Pa Yankees right off into the sunset. Like, yeah, j- j- give give John all the room. He, I was listening to the broadcast yesterday. John Sterling talked about when he got his first big break, right? His first big break covering a team. He was covering Baltimore in 1964. <laughs> Uh, what was that, Josh? Oh my gosh! Did he use the word "nosh" in there too? I believe he added "nosh." It's like you're finding anything that rhymes. Like I, I don't know, man. I, let's just <laughs> let, can we also go back to the part about oh the Yankees needed that one? They're winning the division by like nine games. Don't talk about it like they're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big win. It snapped them right back. They're going to look back at them when the ALCS starts and say, that win on August 17th, that's what got us here. We would not be here without that walk-off Grand Slam and that call by John Sterling. All right, uh, the breaking news this morning uh, is that the NFL and the NFL Players Association have come to a settlement in the Deshaun Watson case. He will be suspended for 11 games he will not get a full season he will be suspended for 11 games meaning he will be back for the browns 12th game of the season and able to play throughout the rest of the year including the postseason if the browns do in fact make it he is being fined five million dollars as well if you remember the original ruling from judge sue robinson the third party judge was a six game suspension and no fine uh but the nfl is going to fine him five million and it is now an 11-game suspension, so nearly doubled. On the football side, quickly, 11 games is a fascinating number because it means Deshaun Watson, the first game he will be eligible to play, will be against the Houston Texans, the team that traded him away. This is so sick to think about that we're going to be talking about some people celebrating the return of a sexual predator with the two franchises that did the most to enable his behavior. Like the Houston Texans have been documented as having given Deshaun Watson uh, access to and facilities for some of these massages. And of course the Cleveland Browns gave him a fully guaranteed contract. And so everything about it is gross and disgusting. Um, But Tyler, I think that the thing we got to figure out here is how much did Deshaun Watson's camp know that they got off easy, right? They agreed to settle this thing over an additional $5 million and an additional five games. They agreed to nearly double the length of the original suspension, plus adding a $5 million fine. 
as when the alternative was what 16 games and maybe indefinite they felt that that was a possibility if they settled on 11 and a five million dollar fine well the part the nfl side that i don't understand here is why effectively let him off with an 11 game suspension and ultimately five million dollar fine because i know earlier in the show you sort of talked about the idea of this this process where Roger Goodell can come in and basically overrule any third party decision, which still seems amazing that is in the CBA, but like sort of the idea of protecting that process and not letting Roger Goodell look like he is some dictator that can do whatever he wants, even though he can in this uh, process here. I, to me, if I'm the NFL, I feel like Deshaun Watson's punishment is more important than that process staying intact. I feel like the punishment that you give out to him is more important and when Goodell comes out and says there's evidence for a 16 or 17 game suspension and when we get reports about hey the NFL wants 17 plus they want the indefinite tag on there where Deshaun Watson has to reapply to be reinstated into the NFL I I feel like the Deshaun Watson punishment should have been more important to the NFL than keeping this process in order if the Deshaun Watson punishment were more important then we never would have ended up down this road in the first place, right? You essentially could have gone for an indefinite suspension, a true indefinite suspension, basically say, yeah, like we don't want him coming back. But at the same time, the almighty dollar is going to win out here. And the fact of the matter is Deshaun Watson is worth money to the league, even as the sexual deviant that he's been proven to be because of the fact that he is not going to be found guilty in a court of law. Right. And that should not matter to a private business like the NFL. But I do think it has to be a consideration when they're talking about, are we going to settle on this? Now, you're settling at 11 games and five million dollars and a total of seven million. I don't know that anyone was going to be happy with a settlement, no matter what the number was, 12, 13, 14. It doesn't matter if they choose to settle then I think that you look at it and say, well, the NFL caved. But I also think the way that this went down, because of how bad this case is, the first time this new process is being tested, the NFL was in a lose-lose situation. Because if you if you ultimately pursue the appeal, right, you pursue the appeal all the way to the end, if you lose the appeal, you look toothless. If you win the appeal, you look like there was no reason to have this new step in the process in the first place. Is there any way they could have lost the appeal? I mean, Roger Goodell appointed somebody that wasn't him to rule over it. But, like, if this had gone without a settlement through the appeal process, he's getting a full season, right? No, I don't think so at all. Really? No, no, I don't. No, I don't think. For, no. No, I, I, I re, this, this to me feels like the NFL saying we feel good about our case, but we don't feel great about our case because I always believed that Roger Goodell continuing to come out and say it very specifically when you listen to Roger Goodell talk you need to listen to every single word because every word Roger Goodell chooses is chosen more carefully than just about any person you will ever talk to and when Roger Goodell said the evidence supports he's saying we believe that our position should be 16 games plus reapplying for getting into the league again but that's not saying Deshaun Watson deserves that's saying the evidence supports well they're basically taking a negotiating position and all along it was a negotiating position and to me 
the league can still come out, and I'm going to use giant air quotes on this, looking good, end air quotes, in its own eyes by saying we got double the suspension and a bigger fine. So that, that idea of the NFL looking good and sort of the, the public relations image of this, I don't think many people care. There's not, there's not a difference to most people between 6 and 11. I think there is a difference for people between six and a full season. And so the idea of like winning the PR battle or, or looking good or feeling like, yeah, that was a justified punishment. I think everybody's going to view six and 11 as basically the same because at the end of the season, we're still watching Deshaun Watson play football this year. Like that's still going to happen this year. Whereas who does anybody care too much if it's in the seventh game of the season or the 12th game of the season? I don't think so. Whereas if they had gotten the entire year and he's not back until next season, it has to reapply obviously too. I think that just from a public relations standpoint would have been a big difference. Whereas six to 11 isn't well, but I think you're missing the point on the, on the PR battle though, Tyler, because what this does is it ends the PR situation because the longer this arbitration drags out, if the NFL were to have won, right? And you say you think they would have won. So if they win, what's the next step? This ends up in federal court, right? And, and there's no way to ensure that that's going to be expedited in federal court for the NFL's sake. So they could have this hanging out there and dragging out there for months and months and months. Now it's settled. And I don't believe it's settled well. I don't believe it's settled appropriately. But from that perspective, it's settled. I don't think you and I sitting here discussing today whether this punishment is enough for Deshaun Watson is a pointless discussion because neither one of us believes that there is an appropriate enough punishment for what he's done beyond essentially being kicked out of the league and being told you can prove to us why you want to come back in, right? That canned fake BS apology that we saw before the preseason game <laughs> was all part of the process to get to where we are today which is a place where no one is truly going to be happy. The victims aren't going to be happy. The victim advocates are going to, aren't going to be happy. The Deshaun Watson apologists aren't going to be happy. The Cleveland Browns fans who were getting out there thirsty for autographs at training camp, and every one of you is a loser, an absolute loser, if you're standing there waiting to get Deshaun Watson's autograph. And if you're a parent letting your kid be out there getting Deshaun Watson's autograph, then you're a crap parent. But in the end, there was no way to make everyone happy. There was a way to essentially put a capper on this situation. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to to help me out here with my radio hot take. I don't like the comparisons to like Josh Gordon. Obviously, Josh Gordon's been suspended multiple times, usually, or I think every time it's been for uh, for weed. Um, I just, for, for whatever reason, everybody's like, ah, oh, Josh Gordon got more games than Deshaun Watson. There's something about that comparison I don't like. I think it has to come back to like, oh, the weed suspensions, those were collectively bargained or those were like predetermined set where this is not like there wasn't a, hey, if you sexually assault 24 women, we know exactly what we're going to punish you. For whatever reason, I just, I feel like those comparisons are, are very hollow. We can't compare to anything else. And I Listen, if you're out there trying to use precedent or comparison, don't. Don't. The NFL has given you no good basis to do that. Anytime we get into the comparison game, we go back to Ray Rice. And we go back to watching a woman being knocked out and Ray Rice getting two games. And we compare it to Tom Brady 
getting four games for deflating footballs, right? And all of it in the end is poor. And all of it essentially for the NFL's sake is performative, right? Because courts of law have not always given them what they need to rely upon. And so the NFL is out here trying to play judge and jury. Well, Goodell and the new CBA gave a little bit of ground in terms of not being judge, jury, and executioner. And I think that's part of the deal here is that Deshaun Watson was never going to end up in a situation that was going to make everyone happy because of the Cleveland Browns. And let me make that really clear. Because of the Cleveland Browns and Jimmy Haslam giving him the richest contract and the strongest contract in NFL history and the most craven contract in NFL history in which his suspension is essentially not going to cost him much beyond that fine, right? He's paying, getting paid a million dollars in year one, so he loses next to nothing in salary guaranteed more than $200 million. So in the end, not no one was going to be happy because of the Browns, and I think the NFL, what it did was, in its eyes, did its best to protect the integrity of a process that it's going to use to set better precedents down the line. So if you missed it, Deshaun Watson's uh, punishment has been announced. The NFL and NFLPA agreed to an 11-game suspension. It did not go all the way through the appeal process. They had a settlement. 11-game suspension for Deshaun Watson plus a $5 million fine for Deshaun Watson. That almost doubles his original suspension of six games which also had a zero uh, dollar fine included in there. And it means that Sean Watson will be back for the 12th Browns game of the season, which is against the Houston Texans. Coming up next, we go deep into Candy's Chonies. Candy's Chonies. Wait. Candy's Chonies. You don't call your bread buns. What do you call them? Candy's Chonies. Bread? Candies, chonies. Well, bread is a substance. What do you call the units of bread you use? Breads? All right. So this is Candies, chonies, where I usually reach deep in and find some statistics for Tyler to try to guess. Um, Tyler, I'm just going to tell you this much. I made a last second change on this one. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Deshaun Watson's amount of games suspended. <laughs> yeah, I think you're on the right track. Just some information I think is worth sharing with people. Uh, your first number is 68. 68. All right. Are you going football version? Or is it, is that... it is an, well, it's related to football apparently now. Apparently. Uh, uh, okay. I will tell you that this number comes from the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. All right. It's an amount of time. 68. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Every 68 seconds, according to Rain, uh, the network I just mentioned, an American is sexually assaulted. Okay. Uh, not fun for your Thursday morning, I know, but at the same time, uh, Deshaun Watson has brought all of this into focus. So I'll give you a related number 66. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what else. You got to, now me? this actually has to do specifically with the Deshaun Watson case. Is that the amount of women uh, that is in the, total? That is the total amount of massages booked yeah. that Jenny Vrentas in the New York times reported. Deshaun Watson admitted to having at least 40, uh, massages booked, uh, New York times reporting that found over a 17 month period 
he had at least 66 appointments that were booked. Um, a related number to all of this is 30, and this has to do with the Houston Texans. 30. Is that the amount of times Deshaun Watson used their uh, hotel room at that hotel in Houston? It's entirely possible, but 30 is the number of settlements that the Houston Texans, not Deshaun Watson, 30 is the number of settlements that the Houston Texans alone reached with Deshaun Watson accusers for their role in facilitating Deshaun Watson's alleged but well-documented uh, sexual assault allegations. Uh, I used allegations twice in there because I want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're on safe ground here. Safer Wait. ground than anyone who gave a massage to Deshaun Watson. Go ahead. I, I was uh, I was aware the Texans reached settlements. I guess maybe I just forgot. I was not aware it was 30. I didn't know it was that many. The Texans settled with 30 Jesus. of Deshaun Watson's accusers. 30. That's did, how okay. many. Go ahead. Do you know off the top of your head, did these happen before or after the report about their NDA to Deshaun Watson came out? Uh, we can look up the timing of this. Uh, and it's fun because I can just type in Texans Watson's uh, settlement and it shows up in my, uh, in my search history. Uh, July 15th of 2022, the Houston Texans reached settlements with 30 women who accused Deshaun Watson of various levels of sexual misconduct. That's according to... Uh, the attorney for the accusers, Tony Busby. Uh, according to the release put out, I want to see here. Uh, now, Tony Busby just uh, used that 30 number. A total of 24 women filed civil lawsuits directly against Watson. Of course, 20 of those were settled in June. So keep in mind, uh, four are still active here at the moment. Yeah, it's just I curious on the timing there, just simply because, like, the reporting, the New York Times did that reporting, and the importance of it was, A, it gave us the Deshaun Watson, like, the way he went about booking massages, right, where he was finding just people on Instagram that weren't necessarily licensed massage therapists, and he had help from a woman that was running an actual massage therapy, but also from the team side of it was how involved the Houston Texans were, and I guess they they can technically sort of feign some ignorance and they didn't know exactly what was going on, but they gave Deshaun Watson an NDA. And like, we don't know that without that reporting, they gave Deshaun Watson access to a hotel room that we don't know without that reporting. And I think that goes, that's a big part of this story. And especially with the Texans having settlements with 30 different women. And that goes back to something you and I have talked about before Tyler, and I'll just extend from it. What purpose would there be for having a non-disclosure agreement for a massage? <laughs> what purpose would there be? Are they going to discover an injury previously unreported? Is Deshaun Watson going to say, you know, my back's been bothering me and that hadn't been in the NFL injury report and a massage therapist is go going to go running to the Houston Chronicle to tell them that? No, it seems to me that anyone with a brain would ask a question as to why do you need a non-disclosure agreement for a massage. And also, you and I have discussed numerous times previously that you and I both have gone for massages for working on certain issues. My shoulder, my left shoulder has been a mess for years, and I found a good massage therapist, a very strong dude who was able to essentially get all the way under my shoulder blade and help me. Uh, work out some of those issues when I found a good massage therapist I never changed I stuck with that person for a long time and I think you've said the same 
Yeah, one like one of the bad things that happened was uh, the massage therapist I went to. She changed jobs during COVID, and I never saw her again. I don't know where she went. I was like, oh God, now I got to find a new one. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Um, by the way, on the idea of why would they want an NDA and this whole maybe they find an injury that they didn't report, what like even if even if they were afraid of that. Wouldn't it be better to just take the potential fine? Like, what do teams get fined for lying about the injury report? Like a million bucks once or something like that? Like, that's probably better than it, the public relations of, oh, we gave our quarterback an NDA to go get massagers. Of course. And, of course, you know, the Cleveland Browns in their air quotes investigation in which they talked to zero of the women uh, who were involved, that maybe they wouldn't have that million dollars available because of this next number that I'm going to give you, Tyler, since we're still talking about Candy's chonies here, 230 million. Guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. Guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. The first fully guaranteed contract of that size in NFL history. There are villains to be found everywhere in this story. And let's never forget that Deshaun Watson is number one, but one B is absolutely the Cleveland Browns for the sham investigation they did of Deshaun Watson and then giving him the largest contract in the history of football in terms of guarantees. It's sickening. The 11-game suspension, you and I both agree, is not enough for this situation. And yet now what we're going to get is the same chorus of enablers who have been saying this forever about, well, it's settled. It's time to move on. We'll find out. We'll find out if it's time to move on. We'll find out by Deshaun Watson, and we'll find out by how fans in other stadiums treat him. It is incredible that he got the largest guaranteed deal in NFL history. And like we we talk about on this show all the time with front offices, whether it's the Golden Knights or the NBA or Darren Waller. Like we talk about leverage all the time. Who has the leverage in a Kevin Durant trade? Why do the Golden Knights trade Max Pacioretty for nothing? They didn't have any leverage. I, how the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson that when he was knowing everything that, that they knew when they gave it to him. At least you can to some degree say the Texans, well, they didn't exactly know what was happening there. They probably knew something not good was up, but the Cleveland Browns knew everything. And somehow that still led to the largest guaranteed deal in NFL history is it's still unbelievable to me sitting here on August 18th when we've had months and months of that as a fact. Did they know everything, Tyler, or did they choose to know? Nothing? Well, yeah, OK, they, they, they had they had the ability to know. Yeah, everything. they had the ability to learn a lot more. So what you see is two hundred thirty million dollars of desperation by the Cleveland Browns. So you know what? Congratulations, Cleveland. If you win a Super Bowl, wait for all of us to talk about, oh, the Browns finally did it. Nope. Because we're all going to be talking about how you paid a sexual deviant to get you there. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. J.R. Starkus is here, our extreme mixologist. Um, J.R., earlier in the show, Adam said, uh, basically questioning parents who were taking their children to get Deshaun Watson's autograph. I'm curious, in your parenting <laughs> experience here, what's like the thing that your kid has been a fan of that you were like, oh, maybe we don't actually want to be a fan of that? 
probably some stupid video game or something that would probably be a thing. I'm like, what are we doing here? Wasting our time on this video game or, uh, I'm trying to think like wasting our time on something. Um, yeah, it's, I would, I would think it's gotta be something like, um, man, what's the name of that game he plays? Like, I can't even think of it. All the kids played it for a while. It was super annoying. Um, with uh, the, the guy that jumps out of a plane and he's got to like, I can't remember the name of it, man. But Fortnite? yeah, he, that, yeah, Fortnite. That's it. Okay. That was that drove me nuts for a while because no matter <laughs> what it was, he's like, "Oh man, we're playing Fortnite." I'm like, "Why?" Like, <laughs> you know, or you know, actually, no. I take it back. The thing that amazes me most that he wasted his time on, and I think a lot of parents can sympathize with this, is when it's not when he's playing Fortnite; it's when he's watching a video of somebody else playing Fortnite. <laughs> or any other thing like that. That's the thing that flabbergasts me more than anything about the generation now is when kids will just sit there and watch Twitch or YouTube channels of somebody else playing a video game. Blows my mind. I don't get it. Yeah. That that would be the thing that, that that's the probably the flabbergasting one to me. People have careers playing video games because other people watch them play and, and subscribe and pay money to watch them. It's a remarkable. I mean, yeah. you know, somebody asked me a while ago, uh, what do I think JT is going to do when he gets older if, you know, baseball isn't his thing, if it doesn't work out? And I said, probably something I've never even heard of before, right? Because <laughs> it's like the the way that things like generate and new jobs. I mean, when when we were kids, there wasn't a, there wasn't like, you weren't getting paid millions of dollars to be a DJ at a nightclub in Las Vegas. You were, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a thing, you know? So, I mean, there's just so many options for young uh young adults coming up right now that I, I think that they're being created that don't exist that uh you know we're going to definitely show our age when we get a little bit older and we're like when i was a kid you know so it's, I've, I've said it already a few times more than i'd like to admit i sound like my father uh have you seen the video of the dodgers uh sideline <laughs> reporter going down the slide at uh, the brewers ballpark and getting injured Yes, like 50 times. I watched it, and I was like, what? And then I watched it again. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Like, uh, talk about an embarrassing moment. He seemed to have played it off okay, though, like later on holding up his casted arm or whatever it was. Or it's, uh, Yeah, I watched it. It was pretty cool. That's so, him, but funny for us. Is this accurate? We uh, Fernando, one of our uh, favorite listeners, tweeted at me that he broke his arm and six ribs. Is that accurate? Uh, I, I thought it was just his arm or his shoulder or something. I didn't know it was ribs. I mean, that didn't seem like an impact enough to break six ribs. I could see it like landing funny on his arm and breaking his arm, I guess. But even then, I was like, wow, he broke his arm? Because, you know, you watch the video and it says, like, watch till the end. And uh, and so I, I did. I was like, whoa, he broke his arm. But then I, when I saw that this morning that he broke six ribs, I, 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 I don't know that to be true, but maybe it is. It just didn't seem like a big enough impact on that slide. And I mean, maybe well, who rides on that slide anyway? Is it like the? It's like the the, uh, the mascot, mascot right? So he's yeah. super padded. So he's super padded. So it doesn't matter. But they, I think they let other people go down it on a semi-regular basis, like the other team's, you know, sideline reporter gets to go down it. So it's not, it's not like he's the first regular human to go down this thing, and he might have broken his arm and six. Like what? What is that? Uh, you know, I, I watched a documentary, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now. It was on Netflix. It was about, like, the world's most dangerous water park that was, you know, I think it was in, like, New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. And it was this guy who invented this water park that uh, that was just had all these rides on it, but they were they didn't really test anything. And 
And uh, and when they did, they would like the the owner of the water park would take the kids who worked there to test the water park. He'd be like, "Hey, go down this for a hundred bucks. I'll give you a hundred bucks when you come down it." And that's how he tested. And if a few if enough people made it through, he would be like, "All right, cool, we're good. Open it up." And he said people were getting injured there all the time. It's an incredible documentary on on this water park um, about this this when kids used to go all the time and just get absolutely crushed because all the rides were unsafe. Jared yeah. said that it's Action Park. Action Park, that's it. Yeah, Action Park. Incredible documentary, man. Got to watch it. All these people getting absolutely obliterated on slides. Why do I feel like Jared has been there because they were offering up money to go down a slide? I don't know. He uh, they, he left before you made that comment, but uh, apparently he also said that uh, Johnny Knoxville, the movie, is based on that. Oh, yeah. That, like, just the the idea of what they were doing there. and there was a, There was a slide that had a full, like, loop in it. And people, they said, would get stuck in the loop because they didn't have enough inertia to make it down. So they had a trap door that they had to open to pull people out of it all the time. And they were coming uh, down all bloody and mess. It was, a, it was such a great documentary. I was laughing my butt up the whole time. Uh, JR, dumbest way you or I guess your son have broken a bone? Well, I, I've only, my son has never broken a bone, knock on wood. Um, I've only broken one. I shattered my elbow when I was uh, very young. And I did it riding my bike because I was trying to, like, ride it on the curb as close as I could to the edge. My front wheel fell off, and I went to go, uh, I went to go like, push, put my arm down to, you know, break my fall. And uh, my, when I was extending my arm, I extended it right into the corner of the curb. And so my elbow shattered when I was, I think it was in fifth grade when it happened, and that was the only time I did it. Thank goodness. Oh, doesn't sound fun. All right. Um, what are you making for us today? I am doing... A bourbon and peach colada. Uh, the pina colada obviously being one of the most popular kind of summertime drinks out there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a great drink. It's, it's unquestionably one of the most popular cocktails on any pool menu anywhere. You know, it's between that, that, the margarita, and probably the strawberry daiquiri are like the three uh, absolute breadwinners to any pool program. Uh, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. Peaches are in season. Uh, bourbon is a year-round spirit. It's incredibly popular, and so I wanted to show the listener or show the you know uh, teach the listener how to make a uh, a bourbon and peach colada, uh, similar to some other drinks that I've done before. But um, in, in doing it, um, you know, I'm not adding any ice or anything like that because we're going to use frozen peaches, and the frozen peaches will then in turn act as our ice. Um, you know, sometimes if you add ice to a colada. If you're adding too much ice or too little ice, if you add too little, the drink is watery. If you add too much, um, it, it, it kind of looks, it's, it's almost too clumpy, and it's watered down. You don't taste anything. So by doing the method I'm about to teach you, by using the frozen peaches as ice, the drink has a very full flavor to it. Um, so you get the taste of the bourbon, the peaches, and all the other ingredients in it, which is, which is what I love about it. So um, you, you're going to need a cup and a half of frozen peaches. You can buy fresh peaches slice them up and, and, and freeze them if you so desire, or you can just go to the grocery store and go to the frozen section where they sell just sliced peaches frozen and, and buy those as well if you so desire. Um, either either one will work. The faster method is obviously buying the pre-frozen ones, but if you want to buy fresh peaches, by all means, go ahead and do that. You'll need a cup and a half of frozen peaches that goes right into the blender, okay? Um, after that, you're going to add two ounces of bourbon. Um, I chose High West Bourbon from Park City, Utah, uh, a great kind of uh, it's a, it's it's a crafty bourbon. It's gaining a lot of momentum uh, in the market and and everywhere. Like a lot of people know High West, 
It's certainly not as big as a brand like Wild Turkey would be, but High West is a tremendous bourbon that Southern Wine sells. That is, um, you know, a fun bourbon that you can enjoy. It's reasonably priced, what makes it, which makes it nice to both make cocktails with and, and sip on its own. So two ounces of, of High West bourbon, uh, three quarter ounces of fresh lemon juice. You could use fresh lime juice if you so desire, but I think fresh lemon juice to me is a little bit softer on the palate, better for this drink. You're going to use three ounces of pineapple juice. Um, you know, I, I just like dull pineapple juice in the can. That works just fine. So make sure you shake it because uh, the, some of the, uh, the sediment will sit at the bottom of the can. So make sure you shake it well. But three ounces of dull pineapple juice, it's very consistent. Uh, so that's the one I typically use. And then three ounces of uh, Coco Lopez cream of coconut. All of those ingredients go right into the blender. There's no ice. There's no additional water. There's no nothing. The dilution of the alcohol, the two ounces of bourbon, will happen in the fact that we've added, you know, six and three-quarter ounces of non-alcoholic liquid in the cream of coconut, the pineapple, and the lime. So the drink will dilute a little bit um, as if you were adding, like, if you were shaking the drink, for instance, that you would typically get with shaking with ice. But by using the frozen peaches as our ice, we're going to get a very full-flavored drink. So... Add all those ingredients to the, uh, to the blender, blend it. Uh, I, I go, you know, 20 to 30 seconds, and then you just strain it right into your hurricane glass, your rocks glass, whatever the case is. Garnish it with another piece of frozen uh, peach, and you have a, a really great bourbon peach colada. That's, I mean, it's just one of those drinks that no matter when you have it, it's just awesome, right? It's just a great drink. Drink it by the pool, drink it in the heat, whatever the case is. When I was bartending, I was amazed by all the people that would, in the dead of winter, um, ask me for that style of drink because it's when they come here at their on vacation and that's what they want. Um, so it just goes to show you that the if you can get peaches year-round and d- definitely the bourbon is quality, this drink is something that kind of stands the test of time and it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter if it's warm outside. Drink the drink; it will just always it'll always be gr- it'll always be good and it'll kind of bring you to being on vacation. All right, before we let you go, Jr., I am curious um, how many times. Do you like come up with a new mixture of ingredients to put in a drink and it's not good nowadays, now that you've been doing this for so long? Like how many times do you think you're going to make something good and it doesn't actually taste good? Um, you know, it happens a lot with, with products that are like newer on the market where you're not really sure how to use them. Um, you know, so there, there may be somebody that comes out with something that's a, just a unique flavor that you've not played with before. And you're like, okay, I think it will work like this. And then you put it in the drink. You're like, mm, that doesn't work at all. Uh, so that, that happens. I would say it happens probably one out of every 25 times I make a drink. It's a pretty good percentage. Uh, just, yeah. uh, better, better than the, uh, percentage of broken ribs after going down a slide for a Dodgers quarter. <laughs> so working pretty for well. Sure. All right, J.R. Starkis from Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, our extreme mixologist. J.R., as always, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Take care. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. If you missed the news earlier today, the NFL and the NFLPA did agree to a settlement on the Deshaun Watson case. He will serve an 11-game suspension he will be fined $5 million. Uh, the NFL apparently wanted a full season. The initial suspension was only six games, uh, and 11 is where they ultimately settled. Deshaun Watson uh, did a press conference, though, this morning after that. And I, I, I want to read a couple of tweets uh, for everybody here. First off, Adam Schefter tweeted this. Last Friday... 
referring to Deshaun Watson's little um, fake apology video. Last Friday, Deshaun Watson made comments that the NFL thought were an important first step, but the league still expects him to be fully compliant with treatment and accept accountability and understand his behavior. So according to that tweet, the NFL thinks that Deshaun Watson has finally shown some sort of remorse, shown some sort of accountability, and is going to work towards being a better person by starting with understanding what he did. But now I need to read some quotes to you that Deshaun Watson said this morning. Uh, Mike Garofolo tweeted these out. Deshaun Watson, I've always been able to stand on my innocence and always said I never assaulted or disrespected anyone. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and career. For everybody that was affected by this situation, there were a lot of people that were triggered. None of that is what the NFL said they think Deshaun Watson is doing by understanding his behavior and accepting accountability. It's not even close. It is Deshaun Watson sticking a thumb directly in Roger Goodell's eye as soon as this is over. It's further evidence that this is a man who should not be allowed to profit from any of our money. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about the NFL because we know you out there care about the NFL. But these are the things that make it really hard to give this league any sort of coverage any sort of credit it's ridiculous that deshaun watson is allowed to go on like this but you know what he's also someone who is being enabled and being enabled greatly uh this quote from d haslam uh, the wife of jimmy haslam we have tremendous empathy for the women involved and we have an opportunity now to make a difference in this community we're going to invest a million dollars towards educating youth for awareness of sexual misconduct um I didn't disrespect anybody is what Deshaun Watson said. So I don't know exactly where the tremendous empathy uh, for women comes in. And also Jimmy Haslam went on local Cleveland radio today and they asked him, well, did you see this suspension coming uh, when you traded for Deshaun Watson? And Jimmy Haslam said one of the more disingenuous things you will ever hear from someone in the NFL. He said, we had no way of knowing. <laughs> and also, it's important to remember that Deshaun Watson is 26 years old. He's going to be our quarterback for a long time. Wait, that's that taking was his an, answer? Yes. That's taking <laughs> the other thumb into Roger Goodell's other eye. Oh, we had no idea he could be suspended. That's pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good line. I, uh, I enjoyed that they're going to donate uh, or invest, whatever they said, a million dollars to uh, help women in Cleveland. Meanwhile, they're giving Deshaun Watson $230 million. Uh, By the way, yeah, $230 million, here's here's a million dollars change that fell out of his pocket when he took the clothes off for a massage. Now, it's important to remember that Sean's 26 years old. He's going to be a quarterback for a long time. Here's the beginning of that quote from Jimmy Haslam. I don't think we had any way of knowing. We didn't know definitively until today. The first commenter under this on Twitter said, you signed him to a deal where the base salary for the first year was a million dollars. I don't know that I would feel any better if they came out and said, well, yeah, 
you know, Deshaun Watson's kind of a creep, but how many good quarterbacks are there in the NFL? <laughs> but that would be honest, at least. It would. It would be honest. Like, hey, we might be able to win with this guy, and we haven't won in a long time. So we're we're willing to put up with a lot of crap uh, if we could actually win some football games. It's it's kind of unreal the way they've answered these questions, but I I think the the point we're kind of getting to here is that it's ultimately not going to matter. He's going to serve his 11-game suspension. There's going to be a fine. They're going to have to uncomfortably answer questions in the worst way possible. And then week 12 or week 13 against the Houston Texans, here's Deshaun Watson, and the Browns are going to have Deshaun Watson, and it's not going to be – that's it. Like that's, that's the story, Deshaun Watson back in the NFL playing for the Browns. We'll see. Because what they're banking on, by the way, they're talking today. By the way, Deshaun Watson answered those questions. By the way, Jimmy and D. Haslam spoke today. They're betting on our attention spans being really short. Like, going back to Friday and the comments that he made uh, uh, to Aditi at the NFL Network, who also has been very friendly toward uh, Ben Roethlisberger's situation over the years. But the comments he made about being truly sorry... He came right back today and went the other direction, and he's counting on, his PR team is counting on, the Browns are counting on, all of us having such short attention spans that we don't remember any of this anytime soon, right? We're just going to move on. I fully admit that as a man of a certain age, my attention span is not what it used to be. <laughs> the internet has changed it. I'm sure just aging has changed it. Uh, but I don't have the same ability to focus on things for long periods of time as I used to, and they're counting on that for not just people like me who are going to talk about Deshaun Watson as a sexual deviant and predator for the rest of his life, but they're counting on people with much shorter attention spans, people unlike the victims of this who are being re-victimized once again today by Deshaun Watson saying he never assaulted or disrespected anyone. I uh, will continually be amazed people in sports, and I'm sure it happens outside of sports, I just don't pay as much attention to it, but people uh, that do not know how to apologize and don't get help on how to apologize. Deshaun Watson trying to apologize today by saying that he's sorry for everybody that was affected by the situation. That is not how an apology works. An apology is uh, showing that you know what you did wrong and that you know what you can do to help fix it or at least not do it again in the future apologizing that people were affected by your actions and claiming that they were triggered does not actually count as an apology from deshaun watson